Hello and welcome to Judgment Day, the film podcast that puts your favorite films against Terminator 2. I'm your host, Michael Carroll. Our topic today is isolation, and my guest is Andrew Curran. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Hello. How are you, Mike? I'm very good. Um, uh, Andrew and I have known each other for uh, well over half our fucking lives. Yeah, a good long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we uh, worked at the same video store. We have the same video store tattoo to prove it. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, uh, we, we're talking about isolation today. Andrew, I, I, want, I uh, thought of you here because, um, you know, uh, I know for a lot of us, um, the last few months we've been having to learn how to work remotely and um, I don't know. I, I honestly just wanted to do an episode on this topic uh, and on these movies. Um, and I thought of you because you have been working remotely um, for much longer than um, mid March twenty twenty. Coming up on a few years now. I'm, uh, yeah. So when uh, this hit for everybody, were you just kind of like you know <laughs> amateur? Like this, to do Zoom, you have to do this. <laughs> yes, and the the. In many ways, the aesthetics of my day to day did not change much. Yeah, um, you know, well, I no have one my likes little, a like, command center, my office here that I am always in anyway, mm-hmm. and you know, it uh, it is a genuine struggle with like permanent remote remote work from home type stuff, like the the lack of uh, any sort of interpersonal culture. You know, mm-hmm. everything has to be. Could be, it could be tough to forge a candid, casual relationship with someone with yeah. this if you sort of don't have it already. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we got some movies today about being stuck alone or being isolated, not even alone. Um, yeah. Uh, we have um, Old Boy from 2003. We have uh, Cast Away, which... Um, uh, was a late entry. There was some wires crossed between Andrew and I. Um, our, our, our third movie is All is Lost, and we had um, uh, kind of... Uh, there was a miscommunication yeah. over which one we, we had settled on, so it's we're going to cover both of them. the same yeah, yeah. movie, right? You know, like upper-middle-class white guys stuck on an island. Right? Oh, you're, 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 you're in my head here. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then we have this uh, Swedish film called Aniara from um, 2018. Um so, so you know, let's, let's stop being around the bush. Old boy, um, uh, for those who don't know, 1988, a Korean businessman, uh, Odesu, wakes up from a late-night bender trapped in a hotel room. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's in there for 15 years. He's being fed and monitored by a mysterious presence. Uh, he watches TV. He trains his body, becomes a, you know, fighting machine, goes crazy. Uh, he wakes up outside and uh, he goes on a rampage to find out who locked him up and why. Um, yeah, this was um, this was a. Wh- when did you see Old Boy for the first time? I mean, I think when it when it first was coming. I mean, this was sort of in the days where you know I am certain that I ordered this from some site that specialized in importing DVDs from abroad and you know hooked up a 
region free DVD player kind of like that that sort of so probably you know around 2003 or four like not mm-hmm. long after it sort of I you know made I recall it being a very sort of four video store nerd type folks it was quite quite yeah famous. It was, it was, I think yeah. had a, had a, a reasonably big release for that kind of movie in theaters here but you, you know I, I was um it was not on my radar uh, any of um, uh, the Park Chan uh, um, the the yeah, Vengeance yeah. trilogy because th- this is like ostensible this isn't like there's not like a narrative um, trilogy but he did uh, three films there was Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance Lady Vengeance and Old Boy like uh, none yeah. of those I was late to the party on all those mostly because I was in college and I was you know like just wasted all nice. the time and kind of like turned off you know I, I just wasn't following a lot of movie stuff um, during that period yeah. so I kind of came to it a little late um, and um, but yeah it, you, you're right it hit Anybody who's uh, really into Seven or Fight Club or you know, just just Fincher <laughs> right. in general was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think really into all of his, uh, um, uh, well, all into all those. And but Old Boy in specific seemed to be the 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 big one that clicked with American audiences. Yeah, um, I mean, it is well, you know, it's quite a movie, and yeah. I think it was, you know, has the. Gets a leg up from a notorious, shocking twist ending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know. I don't know. See, I um, my experience, um, even I think the when I first saw it, which again was like four or five years after it came out, and 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 my experience now were were kind of similar. I, I I think there's just so much in the premise that's fun, and then like when it gets to the end, I don't know. I'm, we'll just go into like spoiler centric stuff i mean i don't know if you know the movie if you don't it just gets it starts with this twisted present premise and then it just gets like more and more weird and twisted and and it's just like this uh almost like um nosedive into like the grime and filth and you know like um, a lot of shots of stuff in warehouses that's like gritty and you know um uh where's my train of thought you know it, it almost just seemed like it was just constantly trying to top it it, it leaves me. It's it leaves me as like a fun, um, set. It's it's a fun like emotional. I'm gonna cut half of this because I'm just. <laughs> it's it's a fun, um, like place to be in. But story wise, it just doesn't like want to. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't penetrate anything really deep for me. Right. Um, did there's it do not, that for like, you? There's not a lot to really grab on onto. Yeah. In the story. I feel like. And and with of course it, it's funny it's I, I think all of this of course with the caveat that we're you know two white guys talking about like a, a Korean film my fear is always that <laughs> right. like I'm gonna like think about something like this or talk about something like that and then you know I watched the host recently and I, I kind of had a similar experience where I'm like I kind of don't understand what happened at the end and I went on Wikipedia and I'm like oh this is a very politically potent film and right, you know right. like loaded maybe there's something like that to old boy but it's it certainly the wikipedia page didn't uh yeah i mean i feel like like watching it again recently it certainly um like it made me wonder about how much of it is sort of in conversation with the sort of assumed knowledge or, or the assumed the sort of understanding that everyone in Korean culture has of like Korean business guy culture, right. Mm-hmm. That like, I, I, I don't know, like his, 
I'm sure it has all sorts of interesting stuff about like the class politics of Korea with the you know the aggrieved bad guy becoming incredibly rich and mm-hmm. him being sort of like a workaday schlub. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like that. Office, there's like, definitely that like class fantasy of just like um, oh I'm gonna get really rich and then I'm gonna like get rid of the you know the person who <laughs> like made me upset in high school. It, it's it's right. a fun movie because it, it's such a like. It's such an exaggeration of like small petty thoughts that I think a lot of people, you know, right. have. But but then like it's not just the like, you know, everything's at eleven, including you know like just you know oh I wasn't like pantsed in high school I you know I had like you know sex with my sister and and some right. guy blabbed about it you know, um so so that's where it kind of you know uh, I don't know. That's where I feel like it's protecting itself in a in a weird way, you know, like like rather yeah. than like being, you know, but maybe it just wants to be. I mean, it's also a, a manga; it's a comic book adaptation, so maybe it's just trying to have fun with that. I, I, I'm not familiar with that source material, so it's hard for me to judge. But yeah, neither am I. But I think that that's sort of like again, I wonder how much of that is just uh, like it's like you know, I know that they did remake it. Spike Lee did remake it. Well, yeah, seven or eight years after it came. Yeah, was yeah, like 2011 or 12 or something. I can't, I don't yeah, remember. I think it was 13, 14. Yeah, yeah, but um, but how much of it is sort of a like like it's it's hard to imagine what the American version of that would have been like around that time. Like it's not it doesn't it's never it's not like melodramatic. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's not heavy or laden with you know like like you say the tone of it is sort of it's sort of fun and upbeat and it, it's not actually sort of like mired in the misery of uh, like like this episode is about isolation yeah his experience is one of isolation but there isn't a lot in that section of the movie to sort of aesthetically put you in a headspace of isolation right like it's sort of like it's i mean the whole thing is more like a montage than like you know, in the way some of these other movies we're going to talk about are are really trying to make you feel lonely. And yeah, I feel he, like he, the, he gets out the, at, the, at like the twenty minute mark. I mean, that that was sort of like a right. surprise for me. I, I it's a little different from how I remembered it. Um, but yeah. there's also something too. I think like okay, well, I was in isolation, and now I kind of have to. I mean, I I think there's a, there was something to the experience of watching that. I think is kind of like. Um, true to where i am now where i'm like oh like when i do go out i'm just like just freaked out whenever i go outside you know uh, and see like sunlight right. so, and, yeah the, the closest aesthetic parallel these days is like when he right when he comes out of the briefcase and it's just like yeah. i don't understand the world anymore <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> um but i do but i genuinely also think that the um i think that the biggest uh, what would you call it? Like avenue into isolation. The most sort of, sort of mediest piece of it is what you mentioned that 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 brooding, that obsession with like the petty grievance, yeah. right? Like and and holding on to that thought invasively and letting it eat away at you and letting it consume you for decades, right? Is like like that's a very emotionally isolating experience, right? Like that is a, like you're really living in your own pain and fear a little bit. And like, I don't know, I, I feel like there's something in there about, uh, you know, the, that's sort of what the bad guy is feeling, right? Like he, he's, he's, he's like made himself alone because he cannot let go of this thing that happened in high school. And yeah. I mean, I, you know, to be fair, his sister, 
killed herself, but like in like a very fucked up way. Like that's a very legitimate thing to hold on to and be mm-hmm. upset about. But you know, but he's like stuck in it, right? Like and and yeah, just and again, just on the off chance that people are listening and they don't know what we're talking about. So so, um, uh, uh, Desu, uh, the protagonist, gets out of this thing. He's been training. He's this beefcake. He's kind of like a, a like a little superhero now, and he. Um, uh, there's these like um, someone he gets a cell phone from a mysterious uh, figure or something like that and and um, it was actually a couple of weeks ago when I watched it um, he he gets uh, he he goes on this you know mystery to like find out who it is and yeah um, and then it turns out it was this guy that he um, kind of spread a not a rumor about because it was true but he spread some information about in high school which ended up ruining this guy's personal life the what was his name? It was uh, I have all their characters. No, the, it's uh, the bad guy's name. The bad guy's uh, name. Yuji, Yuji Tay. Yeah. Or no, sorry, as Lee Wu Jin. Uh, Wu Jin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Machine. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I had um, I had a similar thought, uh, and, and it was kind of I was kind of thinking again, speaking only as like you know how I think like American and audiences and by that i mean mostly just like you know white guys in their like 20s and 30s kind of like approach this film or like what they what they saw in this film was sort of um uh, weirdly similar to like what what i saw like w- when i watched like something like twilight or hunger games i think there tends to be a lot of like um protagonists who uh will go through this thing where they're like oh i don't want to be the center of attention um, but th- like they're kind of like being this mouthpiece for like um, the the um, audience the audience it's it's weird audience wish fulfillment but it's kind of like sort of distorting it a little bit like I don't want to be the center of attention um, I just want to do my work and I don't want this like cute boy to like pay attention to me uh, or I don't want like the whole world to pay attention to me but you know maybe they do maybe they don't um, with with old boy it was sort of like this like oh wouldn't it be horrible if I was stuck inside a room for like you know like years on end without any social interaction and like I, right. all I all I and I was forced to watch TV and eat junk food <laughs> I what I would do and you know like that what I would do right. is I would I would get really buff and I would really focus my energy into like you know it's like yeah right. <laughs> the, the, right. the, the, it's it's it was fun and it was interesting because it was sort of like um yeah, there there is sort of like uh, when COVID hit, it was there was sort of like the joke I was always making. Everybody's like, I'm totally prepared to just be an uh, inside kid and like not <laughs> do anything. But here we are now, you know, like right, right. Go outside; and it's actually fun. Do you have anything else you want to jump into? Next one. Any other yeah, thoughts? we could jump to the next one. I'm just trying to think we, if there's any other sort of highlights of isolation. I think it's just. Yeah, I don't know. For me, what struck me with that in mind again is just that that the the, the villain has become sort of trapped in this horrible memory, and mm-hmm. that has made him alone. And then, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, the the twist is that you know when this guy is kidnapped, he you know has a family, he has a wife and daughter, and then when he gets out, like he, I think that someone tells him in the movie that she's been you know adopted his wife has been murdered and the daughter oh, has right, been adopted right, by right. a family in america or something and then mm-hmm. she you know, hypnosis is hypnosis is like the like um like magical pixie dust that makes like uh, right. this, this really right. twisted right. ending makes sense and it turns out that the guy that he's hooking up with now uh, our hero the old boy 
Daisu, the the woman that he's the young woman that he's been hooking up with is actually his daughter and right. Yeah. So that's the big twist, right? That like dun, dun, this dun, woman dun. that you know through through the course of his adventures to find the bad guy that he sort of takes up with and is in a romantic relationship with is mm-hmm. actually his daughter. Yeah, but, and the bad guy set it up and yeah, yeah. Right, and the bad guy said whatever. He's used hypnosis and blah 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 blah. But the thing is that sort of in the in the end what Odisu decides to do is he tracks down this woman who is sort of the hypnosis expert and asks her to erase from him the knowledge that he is in this romantic relationship with his daughter so that they can continue having a relationship and that she can be happy in it because he doesn't have that like cursed knowledge anymore and just that that watching it again it just struck me that that's sort of that's like the flip right that the villain is sort of stuck in this traumatic memory and constructing his entire life around right. it. And Oda so liberates himself from that traumatic memory. And like, that's what makes him happy ultimately is like not being stuck in it. And you know, that's what allows yeah, him to connect. I mean, that just, that, that struck me as something that was like, that was like, um, it was like the end of Wayne's world. It's like, Oh yeah, let's just, let's just do the like emotional sure. catharsis ending, you know, like, like that, that wasn't really what the film, like <laughs> Andrew just did the fish years. Um, it, 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 you know, but you, you see where I'm coming from, where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, it just, yeah. it just didn't seem like it was something where, you know, um, that wasn't what the film was about. It was just a, a note to, that they chose to end on what the film was right. about is like a mood and, and, um, uh, mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so let's let's get let's get real lonely now. Yeah. Let's get. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How long? Okay. So Castaway uh, was that ninety nine? Um, maybe two thousand, I think. But. Yeah, and that's um, Tom Hanks is uh, FedEx post uh, postal worker <laughs> yeah. gets survives a plane crash, um, befriends a ball, um, goes home, um, and Helen Hunt is uh, married, and uh, he has to move on with his life. How yeah. long? How long is he on on that island? He's on that island for seven years. Is it seven? I thought it was like four or five or something. But yeah, something like that. Away. How long is he on the island? Castaway. <laughs> um, this is gold. This all stays. Yep. Audience, you uh-huh. sit and you listen. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, while Andrew looks this up, hot take. Um, I, I love Castaway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for, uh, so four years he's on the island for four years, That's, and what a, my what a, my hot take is going to be that I think that Zemeckis has a weird sexual fetish for planes crashing because he's made a bunch of movies yeah. with well, he's, incredibly he's, graphic, intense plane crashes. Yeah, what was a flight? Uh, I, flight I, the whole the whole movie just replaying this plane crash over and over yeah. again. Um, has he had a plane crash in anything else? I thought isn't there's got I think there's got to be one more, but. I mean, he doesn't have as prolific, you know, uh, honestly, as I get older, I'm really proud of myself. I'm starting to like kind of really in my mind differentiate like um, Zemeckis from uh, Joe Dante from uh, um, uh, uh, Frank, not, not even Frank Oz, who's the um, uh, uh, Landis John Landis, like if, for, in my yeah. head, they were all like second tier Spielberg, and and now it's like I'm starting to like finally like, um, you, you know, they were like the people who worked for Spielberg almost, and now in my head I'm starting to kind of like really understand like who is what and like um, 
and, and it's funny because a lot of these guys, I thought they had like a lot more under their belt than they did. And um, uh, Zemeckis, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because like the last he, decade and a half, he's not like Flight was like the last movie he did. Everything else was just like um, this weird CGI soup. But well, I think that's the thing, right? Is that he's like he's the effects guy. Like he's way, way into yeah. the. Oh, that to Gump. me is always that, like like even even like like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which mm-hmm. I love, mm-hmm. is like very. You can tell it's very much about like oh like we're gonna get actors and cartoons and right the like, the, the, the horse the lead that's pulling the cart is like the special effects and that like the right. spectacle right. yeah and right, and it's exactly. funny because yeah because I do think that this is a movie with emotional way I do think this is a movie with spectacle you know. Um, uh, it, it's tough because I usually do not want to give Tom Hanks a lot of credit because I usually <laughs> find I th- well I, I tend to think he's generally like uh, amusing screen presence I think like a lot of the projects that he you know makes um, are pretty bad um, <laughs> like you know just just insufferable I mean they're, they're all the same movie it's you know it's just you know like a Time Magazine like official gloss on like historical record I mean that's um, right right um, very safe. Starting starting with Forrest Gump, really, um, and and Forrest Ugh, Gump being just like yeah. a just like a, a just repugnant uh, film. I mean, Newt Gingrich loved One it, which worst. I think should yeah. It, it's just um, and 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 you know, Back to the Future is fun, although there are some things that have kind of aged poorly about it. All that said, um, yeah, I still uh, and I did not go back to it uh, in the last. I, I don't think I've seen it probably in the last two or three years, but I do like. It's a film that I love, uh, and and it's funny because I love it because I think it does actually um, talk about loneliness in uh, and 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 isolation in a way that is interesting and is true. I think it's a very uncomfortable thing for a person to kind of have to spend time alone with themselves, and um, I think the film using some kind of maybe sometimes too gimmicky like screenwritery tricks. Um, you know, uh, shows that, um, but I, it, um, it doesn't bother me because I think that there's actually a lot to it. And I, I think that there's, I, again, Helen Hunt is not someone who generally like did a lot of movies that I liked, but I think she's great in this film. And I think, you know, I don't know, it, it's a very moving film. Um, again, I wish I, w- I had seen it again. I'll probably watch it later this week because <laughs> I, I really like it. I, uh, and in, in all fairness, in full context, um, it's a film that I watched, uh, I was abroad in college and, um, uh, I was working in, um, as like a, a farm worker in Japan. Um, and I had this one like long weekend that I spent all by myself. Like it was really the first time I'd ever gone through anything like that where I just wasn't in contact with anybody. And this was like 2004. So I didn't, you know, I, I didn't even have like internet or anything like that. And the farm I was in, uh, you know, I didn't have a cell phone as we know it. I had like this brick that let me, you know, call numbers, but I was, you know, and I wasn't going to call it from Japan. I had the, uh, so um, the guy whose farm I was working on, he let me go into his house and like watch all these um, movies. Um, and he had like four American movies. And I think he only brought the American films because he, he didn't like, I really, I would have mu- probably rather just watched whatever weird Japanese stuff he had. But like, um, I ended up watching uh, Castaway and it ended up affecting me very deeply because I was going through something as similar to that as I, I had yeah, yeah. at that point. But, um, I actually, th- I think that, I think that it's, uh, 
it's, it's a very scary, you know, I think that's a, it's a great plane crash. I don't know, what, what do you oh, think? Yeah. What, what do you think going back to it? I mean, it's an incredibly intense plane crash. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm joking about Zemeckis and plane crashes, but like, yeah. but he does make, you know, the plane crashes in his movies are incredibly scary and yeah. like, like really long. Like mm-hmm. that sequence of the crash is like, it really goes. There's like, there are like a number of sort of beats in it. Um, no, I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. It's it's very, you know, it's definitely of its, it's very like 90s Tom Hanks. You know, it has that, that vibe he's very affable um yeah i don't know i I feel like what's what's a little different about it for him is that like i I don't know i feel like he he often there's 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 something about his journey and the way that it sort of upends a little bit of like i i i don't know like it the, the the convention at bucks is that like that they're that the happy ending has nothing to do with anyone else right it's sort of a it's like a pro isolation movie ultimately right that like in a sense right like that he like gets to know himself better and he like you know yeah. he he like he he does it he, he i feel like that there are some sprinkles things... in the first act of yeah. him maybe not really go. being ready for getting married or whatever right mm-hmm. so like there's all these little sort of personal growth things of like maybe you didn't need to get married Maybe yeah. you were just waiting for this metal artist in Texas or whatever. I, I don't – I would push back again having not seen it recently um, and not wanting to give these guys the benefit of the doubt necessarily. But like <laughs> I remember what, what I like about the film is that like constantly what it's saying is that like um, the world can just unfairly take things away from you uh, mm. at, at the snap of a finger and, and there's nothing you can do about that and, um, and you know, you, you – that's that there's there's just a, a truth to that and you have to be you know to to be able to survive in this world you have to be able to like uh adjust to that i mean that that was sort of the arc of wilson right i mean that's the arc of uh i mean you know um it, it i think that's so it's obviously not pro isolation but i mean well, acceptance, I guess, is acceptance. really what I mean. Yeah, right. That yeah, like yeah. that that that's the the lesson of isolation is to accept your fate, basically. Mm-hmm. And even though he gets rescued, he has sort of arrived at this place where, like, I mean, essentially, he would have been okay dying there. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he kind of hits that point, and then gets, and then sort of, you know, he builds the raft, and you know, but mm-hmm. but but again, it's like. Like he has to hit these milestones of acceptance. Like there's the whole like subplot with him considering killing himself, right? Which they kind of try to hide a little bit. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they're sort of evasive about the the ledge, and there's a, you know, there's this very one. There's one tall peak on this island he's trapped on, and there's one tree coming out of it, and you know, he occasionally has sort of oblique conversations with the with the volleyball Wilson, where he's saying. We tried it. It doesn't work. Like it's too, uh, you know, it's not strong enough or the rope wasn't long enough and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the big revelation is that yeah. he's considered, you know, hanging yeah. himself on, on the ledge of the island. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It gets at, it gets at a lot of I remember, uh, aspects of but it's a, it's a long sit. Like this is, I feel bad that um i had i mean i just i i remember when we were going back and forth on all is lost and castaway um 
I I thought that like um it was it's always kind of a big ask to to have people to kind of go back to a three hour film, um, <laughs> and so and again I apologize, but um, no, it's fine. I mean, I don't think I mean I don't think I had seen Castaway like since it can't you know it's been it, like it was a two VHS it was a it was a double VHS uh, movie. I think right? so. So I think so, so for, I, for, I didn't for the young being people, quite that long, but it's um, pretty. It's up there. Yeah, so movies used to be on VHS cassettes, and anything that was longer than <laughs> two and a half hours would get put on two of them. Um, or you would just get your special features on the second tape, you know. Um, what uh, – did it did it feel long? Did it feel like a long sit? Was, like, your butt no, itchy? Uh, not really. I felt like – because, I mean, it was it was broken up pretty well in stages, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the, you know – as you say, Tom Hanks is uh, a very watchable screen presence, even if a lot of the projects he chooses are not the most engaging. Um, <laughs> you know, he knows yeah. how to work a camera when he wants to, and yeah. and I think that you know to like start bridging the gap here a little bit with all is lost. That you know, it is very satisfying to see someone do the problem solving, right? That like. Yeah like establishing these sort of big problems like food or shelter and then watching someone go through the sort of constituent parts of solving that problem is you know yes very screenwritery mm-hmm. right but but they really like, salivate but, at that like oh yeah <laughs> but but very good and like satisfying screenwriting i feel like is you know i, I mean i don't know one of the things i hate about a lot of sort of big tentpole movies these days is that just eight zillion things are happening at once and there's a million MacGuffins you have to track down and there's all these different things like you just are going like bing bang boom through these plot points and I have always felt like it's a much more satisfying experience to set up sort of one big problem and then solve the constituent parts of that and you know yeah, well, let's, enough, let's I think it's uh, Terminator 2 is a really great example of that kind of screenwriting which we'll get into later but <laughs> ooh, 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 okay I'm excited all right, let's just all is lost. Um, Robert Redford's <laughs> on a sinking boat, uh, and then he's on a, a life raft, and that's it. Um, and that was 2013. Yes. Um, it's like uh, hour 40. Um, yeah, it's pretty uh, lean. There are, I mean, there's like an opening monologue sort of where he's reciting, I guess, a letter that he's written yeah. kind of like in, in the event of his death. But other than that, there uh, are radio I don't know, two lines him. of dialogue in like the whole movie. Yeah, radio calls him. He he's he's asking for help, and then um, uh, when I think he misses that second uh, uh, tanker that goes by, he goes <laughs> But he doesn't say go all the way. Anyway, uh, it was J.C. Chandor um, who's had a very interesting career for movies under his belt. Um, uh, do you do you like? Uh, are you a fan of his? We're basically, when I mean, I'm, I'm asking is, do you like the most violent year? I, I really loved All Is Lost when it came out. Like, yeah. I really loved that movie a lot. But um, but I don't think, I mean, I couldn't even, I could barely remember anything from Margin Call. I don't, you know, yeah. everybody talked up most violent year, but I feel like, I mean, I don't know. There just wasn't. Yeah, I, boy, I, it's I, I, people are going to be mad at me for this, but I mean, <laughs> the thing that kept, I mean, I, a most violent year had Jessica Chastain. Um, Oscar Isaac is uh, a businessman, and his uh, he's trying to run a, a clean business. And his wife is a crooked mobster daughter, and it just um, and, and he's always being frustrated that like his 
crooked wife is screwing up his business. And I'm like, but you married her. I, yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, it took me out of the film, and I didn't understand why, you know, um, you would have someone who would just so clearly be antagonistic to your larger goals. And it just seemed like it was anyway. Um, but but let's talk about all his lust. So so you are a big fan of it. I, I mean I mean yeah, we kind of just I, covered I really a lot. Loved of it when it came out, mm-hmm. I think because I really like the uh, you know it's so clean and compact and it doesn't get into anything. Like it was easy for me at the time to sort of check out of any kind of like like I'm you know I'm not thinking about his family back home or why he's in the Indian Ocean or mm-hmm. whatever like. It is very, very simple and straightforward in that, you know, the movie opens with a very sort of 2001-y shot of something floating in the water, and it turns out to be a a shipping crate, which has impacted the side of his sort of little one-guy sailboat. Sailboat, And then, like, the whole movie is, you know, calmly solving the problems of, okay, I have a hole in my boat, I have to, like, fix this problem, and then I can't be able to... A storm's coming, I I don't know where I am. Yeah. Um... You know, um, I, I think a lot of my problems with the film stem from the fact that my my dad had a sailboat very similar to that. And so my own, like, personal bullshit kind of, like, uh, this is the second time I'd seen it. It, it kind of, like, comes on, like, what what the fuck were you doing out there? Why why were you out there by yourself? Like, I, I, was, bringing, I was bringing my own stuff to that watching it. Um, um, I like Redford. Um I don't think that he has, um, you know, he, he does he does a great job. Um, uh, yeah. I don't think there's much. That, that's that was the thing watching it this time was that like it's so compact. I actually don't think that there's much. I never feel like I have a lot to talk about with it, you know. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's a very. Um, I feel that my my recollection seeing it in theaters was that it was a very visceral experience but not the way that people usually use that phrase when you're mm-hmm. talking about like a horror movie or something like yeah in that it's it's very much in those little tiny moments of like like oh, it's working oh that didn't work yeah i mean i think there's a lot <gasps> like, that you I, can... I see what he's gonna do next oh that didn't work or whatever yeah there's there's some good pacing stuff i mean some of it was um you know, I was I was interested in. Um, it was shot in. I think it's called uh, uh, Baja Studios. It was like uh, the uh, uh, the. Um, it was the set that they shot Titanic in, and like very little was shot on the ocean. And you know, one of the things that I kind of was doing part of my project, which wa- with watching it this time, which I intend to, but like well, while I was watching, I was just thinking like, well, what is the. Um, and I know this when I was watching it, that was shot in the same studio. I'm like, clearly some of the stuff is shot, you know, in a controlled environment. Some of it's shot in the water. And we all know the horror story of, like, the making of Jaws and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, there, there was just – there was some sweep to it that I was hoping for that I, I feel like I didn't get because um, some of it, so much of it seemed like, you know, uh, shot in a – controlled space um again this like just from like a storyboard perspective i think it's a real i think it's a really great you know movie um viscerally i i hear what you're saying with visceral um but i i just i wish it had done a little you're more just really like in his in his headspace and i feel like that's i mean i don't know so some of that 
It's also the only movie, you know, of the movie we're talking about, it's the only one with a character who is isolated by choice. Yeah, yeah, and that that was definitely right. something that was um uh, that was that I was mindful of, and, and it was part of my. This is tough for me because I'm, I'm I'm actually talking about my dad now, but I'm just like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you I'm, I'm actually getting at, I'm getting mad at my dad <laughs> thinking about this movie. Like that's the problem with whenever I talk about this film. I didn't know that the music was by um, uh, the guy. His name is like uh, Ansel Ebert or something like that. He's the he's Edward Sharp from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic. Uh, Zeros, oh, yeah, and I was just like, oh boy, there's a name that I kind of forgot around 2016 when <laughs> Trump won the. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much of like this, like early the early, the beginning of this decade. I just feel like I, I, I don't remember most of what happened in movies or in music, and I, I wonder if some of it's just like a rec, uh, you know, like I have to reckon with the quality of it, or if it's just that like everything's just been so fucking weird, you know, the la- you know, this, in this half of the decade that like um, I just oh, haven't yeah. had a chance to process it, or it just like yeah, didn't grow. It's weird living it. in 2016, season four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you have anything? Do you want to jump into into into? Do you want to get lost in space with me, or you got anything else? Well, for, yeah, I don't uh, know any, any wrap up stuff. I guess just that that is the thing that Uh-oh. like because he's isolated I lost by you choice. For a second. It. Hey Andrew, can you like hear me? It, it, it feels a little out oh, of boy, step. I can hear that you're talking. Now, oh, I can't hear you anymore. Uh oh. Can you hear me? No. Uh, did, oh, okay. Keep going. There you go. There okay. you're back. You're back. Okay. You were. Right. I, I was asking you if you wanted to move into on ER, and then I could see you talking with passion and verve. What'd you say? No, no. I always talk with passion and verve. I was just saying that, like, th- there is something weird about the fact that he is the only character who's sort of self-isolated that it does feel a little out of step. Like in an environment like this, you're just sort of like, why would you choose? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be alone for months at a time. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Not <laughs> to be like victim blaming, but it's like, well, you did go out you know, like, <laughs> right. you did on try your to sail own. Across the yeah. Ocean smart you guy. clearly have some family members that you love. Maybe you should have invited <laughs> them. I don't, you know, um, um, on Yara. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, Jeez, so nice. um, melancholic space odyssey set in the future. The Aniara is like a luxury ship that sends hundreds, maybe thousands of passengers from a rapidly uninhabitable Earth to Mars, and then it right. uh, gets thrown off course. Uh, the passengers are holding out hope that help is on the way, but the years drag on. Uh, the plot centers around an unnamed woman uh, working on board who operates the uh, Mima a uh, like salon hollow deck that transmits uh, into people's brains uh, the pleasurable feeling of being outside on planet Earth. It's kind of vague what it does exactly. And then as time goes on, she begins a relationship with another crew member. Um, the Mima uh, device breaks down. Uh, weird sex cults start up. Uh, babies are born. People die. This mini society just floats in space with whatever indoor pleasures they can still hold on to. Uh, while their future becomes increasingly more and more grim. Trigger warning for this. Um, there is some suicide uh, stuff that happens. Uh, and it was, um, I mean, the movie foreshadows it. Um, and, you know, you're kind of watching this movie stupidly, kind of like hoping like, you know, something. So hoping for something like an idiot. You're just like, maybe maybe, maybe this will work <laughs> out for them because it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't. Um, uh, yeah. How did it go for you watching? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty bleak. Uh, un- unfortunately, very timely. I think in that the setup is 
like it's sort of an unexpected shift to society that results in isolation and confusion and breakdown and you know mm-hmm. uh, and and specifically that like being in that weird liminal space of like waiting for the other this sort of other shoe to drop right which i feel like you know we're all here now in the midst of coronavirus and protests dragging on for months and you know i think there's a there's a lot about the next however many months and years that feel kind of like a big question mark and, yeah you know i mean the you climate's know, I, still I, declining you know rapidly right like i you know i feel that i feel that tension of sort of like oh like looking for little opportunities of hope for things to get better right and like waiting for things to start turning a corner and then In the meantime, things just keep getting worse. Hey, real quick, Andrew, um, I just stopped video just because I think what happened before was uh, internet stuff, which I yeah yeah sorry yeah. about that. So so I, I'm starting to get that again. So I'm just gonna kill my video here. Sure sure. Um, yeah, it was the the I maybe you'll see that in my notes. Uh, one of the really twisted parts about all this was that. There was a really funny show on HBO called Avenue Five that I was yeah. watching right before quarantine. Did you were you watching that? <laughs> I haven't. I have only watched a couple episodes. So 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 this is yeah. Simple the premises. Yeah. Um, uh, it's um, it was a show. I mean, I just started watching because it was by the guy who created Veep, and and Veep is a show that I really deeply love, and it was like. Um, you know, um, it's it's the same premise, but like a stupid, uh, you know, HBO sitcom. Um, and, you know, normally it's supposed to be like tragedy first and then the farce. And, oh. uh, you know, it's like <laughs> I almost feel like I, I, it would have been so comforting to like have watched something as horrible as Aniara and, yeah. and, and just like really go, just go through like this emotional hell. Um, you know, I mean, just it, just to be clear, like, yeah, this woman ends up like uh, his uh, her her um, her partner ends up um, giving birth and then her partner ends up killing herself and, and uh, their child. And it's just, you know, it's just it, it was really yeah. gut wrenching. And if I could have watched that and then watched like the funny sitcom <laughs> by the like one of the few comedians or one of the few like, you know, people who like really makes comedy that I find really like joyful and ple- well, pleasurable right now. Like that would right. have been like a, a real bomb. But like I got the I got the dessert first and then I had, yeah. to, you know, um, um, so that was that was it was very bleak. Um where there is a point to this, I think, is that um, so the, our protagonist is sort of trying to like uh, her recurring role on the ship seems to be to give people um, uh, pleasure, to give people like purpose, um, meaning um, while you're kind of like just going through. Yeah, like hearing God's lonely, you know, silence or whatever, you know. Uh, right, right. Um, and um, that, yeah, and you kind of, like, watch all that unfold. Ultimately, like, what's so terrifying is that, like, it, none of it seems to do anything. And, and at times, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the really horrible uh, suicide scene, which I, I um, honestly, I, I just, like, muted and, like, looked away at the screen. It was so yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it sort of is paralleled by like this like rising dramatic moment where she she manages to you think she's fixing the Mima, but all she's done is set up this like really large right. uh, LED like readout on the windows that like makes it look like it, there's a waterfall outside. I, I really appreciated the way this film um, gave us the information that's in this world. There's a lot yeah. of a lot of burnt background figures, you know, people with like big burns and you're just like, Oh yeah, there's clearly the world's on fire. Like, right. But it's not everybody or like people have different degrees of burns on them. Um, yeah. I had been thinking some of it maybe it was like, like ozone depletion. So people were getting like radiation burns or something. Or yeah. Like, so there's a lot, a lot of environmental storytelling and there's, they use like the space elevator instead oh, of like shuttles that. or something. I remember know, when so. I saw, I saw the trailer for that and I was like, that, that was honestly, I, I just wanted to watch a cool movie about space elevator. Cause I really love those. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever seen them in a film, at least like to that degree before. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's some spectacle there. Um, it, it, it's, it's an interesting film because it does, the, there has been a very interesting increase, um, you know, in the last few years with like space stuff. And I feel like there was nothing for a long time. And then, you know, the Martian was kind of a hit and mm, yeah. th- there's just been a lot of like, you know, I'm uh, at Astra first man. I mean, it, it's weird yeah. that suddenly like, you know, space is this big kind of thing. I think it, it just feels like things are just so grim right now that like the idea of like the promise of, a future where there could even be space travel is such such a like (laughs) you know it's it's people i think are are sort of gravitate no pun intended they're gravitated towards it because it was just it's just you know um an idea that like society is like strong enough to like get to that point i don't know is that grim is that depressing what do you think well i mean i i think that uh i think that in real world terms you know the I guess I, I guess I only think that perhaps the United States is doomed. I don't know that like the world is doomed. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll be lucky. You know? Yeah, you know it might not be you know it might not be Brad Pitt having dad issues in space. Maybe it will be some Chinese astronaut or Indian astronaut or something. Yeah. but you know, and that will be fine for the human race. I don't mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> but did yeah, you, did you like um, watching the film? I mean. It was a good movie. It's 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 bleak. Um, you know, as I said, it's very like hard science fiction. So in so the the details of the plot, you know, once they sort of establish the world and how it works, like you know, when they get knocked off course, it is you know like a teeny tiny thing that does it, and because it happens to pierce the you know warp core or whatever they call it in the movie, I can't recall. Yeah. But, you know, they, they have to jettison their fuel, the so they are sort of stuck moving in one direction at one speed f- until they either hit something or can get captured by the gravitational pull of something and mm-hmm. adjust their course. You know, and I think a lot of it is that's that's really crucial to the premise because it sort of put it sort of pits the harsh reality of science against the human impulse to hope right like and to like look for opportunities to hope and sort of make the best of a bad situation and you know the the collection of ideologies present in these various characters is sort of what the movie is really about like the the protagonist who i guess is that right she just doesn't 
She, she, they, they never do say her name. Do yeah. They just refer just, to her just by like her Redford. job, right? She's like a Mima robe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right. She's she's like the facilitator for whatever for this magical machine mm-hmm. that shows you mo- basically movies of your own memory, like yeah. spaces of your own memory that you can sort of project into your brain via, you know, something in the back of your neck or whatever. Um, but the idea is that people get like addicted to this. Right, mm-hmm. and it sort of like overwhelms them, and it starts driving them crazy, and then it overwhelms the machine. The machine. Is, yeah, it's like somehow alive, also, and it kind of gets overwhelmed and sort of abandons humanity because they've, you know, they're not. Yeah, it's know, just whatever, too fucked morally up. Morally yeah. enough, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but that was a. I mean, I don't know. Just because I was looking for connections with them, I think that that's you know that that was sort of her you know i know in real terms doing what she did and giving people you know little snippets of of life on earth would be a good thing but in the context of a movie it felt like like that was sort of a facet of isolation right like Mm -hmm. people retreating into their minds instead of connecting and you know, figuring out how to live together more appropriately, you know, in a more healthy way. They were, they became sort of addicted to this sort of, you know, like jacking into your own brain kind of deal. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of like that Avenue five show, like immediately, like there's this captain who like, um, you know, kind of never seems like he, you know, he was not prepared for having to be in charge of something like this. And then unlike the show, he just kind of like goes a little mad with power and right. um you know um but but there are never any there's never any like cane mutiny moments there's never any like real like crazy like it's just like oh yeah right. now, now we just kind of like live in a like weird dictatorship you know and like no one's actually going to challenge him i mean what are they going to do like you know get behind the ship and turn it like he, he would do that <laughs> if he could you know but like um but you know yeah he does I mean, there's some weird like power abuse uh, it, it was funny watching it as an american especially watching it as an american now because you're just kind of like it, there's so much of it, it's just like well yeah but like what are you going to do you know um right. the the ship is set so you know what do you what do you do you know knowing that you're kind of living this doomed existence well here's the deep thought aren't we all living a doomed existence <laughs> Well, I think that's sort of what what Aniara is kind of getting at, right? The, yeah. Like, like so. So when I say that, you know, what what the Mimarobe is peddling at all fronts is distraction and just sort of living your life, and not paying attention to that inevitability, mm-hmm. right? Like, but at the end of the day, and at the end of the movie, like, you know, they they have they sort of flirt with potential rescue here and there, but then as Mike was saying, that you know, the sort of climactic emotional moment is her creating this sort of shroud. I mean, literally outside the windows of the ship so that they don't have to look at space anymore. They can just look at this like fucking screensaver of a waterfall. Screensaver. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, she's very, like, she's very proud of the fact that she can change the picture. It's so right. Touching. Right. But and it's like, right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like incredibly tragic and you're just sort of like, what the fuck? Like, how can you possibly care about that like yeah. you're just sort of denying the reality of your situation and ultimately they don't like they never get rescued mm-hmm. you know the film is sort of broken into chapters and and demarcates them by saying you know that the, it's sort of one year into their journey or yeah. five years into their journey or mm-hmm. ten years into their journey or whatever and the 
know, the final jump is like five million seven hundred thousand. You know, whatever. It's you know, it's some incalculable time into the yeah. future. And you know, the point is that they, like when you see the inside of the ship, everyone has turned to dust and bone, and there's just nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's year no, like, year twenty four is like that. The ship is doesn't have any power anymore. Right. You know, they're just sort of like continuing to drift. And yeah. I think that that chapter is even called sarcophagus. And yeah. like. You know, it's like only a couple of minutes long and people are sort of going blind and it mm-hmm. just is right. It's just very miserable and dismal and like it's not, you know, it, it is obviously about the inevitability of that, but it's not presented as sort of a like liberating feeling that knowledge. Like it's not sort of a Buddhisty kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been uh, in general lately kind of been trying to tangle with um nihilism in film um you know there's a lot uh whenever i start talking about this i get tongue-tied so bear with me for just a second i i never seem to i used to really like reject anything that was sort of like well why would you show me something that just can't have a happy ending you know why 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 put that in my head and i i get very defensive against it and um you know and and some of that would extend to even like torture porn in you know the early 2000s right right right. um but but some of it would be you know like um you know i'm sure i would feel that way about a movie like this you know um you know uh 15 20 years ago um and uh but you know i mean something like uh you know what the safety brothers do or you know um right you know uh melancholia you know there's there's a lot of stuff where you know i kind of have to like um or um not, not melancholia but um dogville you know um you kind of have to grapple with, with situation i don't want to like deny the. i don't want to exclude anything that uh that there is value in art like that uh, is what I'm sure, saying. It's just sure, so sure. hard to chew on, you know, and I'm just trying to figure out in my yeah. head, you know, it, it kind of goes against a lot of like, I think, you know, um, what film is sort of uh, the pleasures of watching film sometimes can be, even if it's something like a big tragedy, you know, like a, a, a Barry Lyndon or something, there's still like, you know, something, you know, there's a remove, you know, I, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that we're talking about isolation because I feel like my my feeling on uh, about intense movies like that or sort of mm-hmm. seemingly nihilistic movies or, or movies that really get into the the weeds of trauma, right? Um, is that uh, you know trauma is a very isolating experience. It is a it is a feeling which makes your world smaller know because it it just makes you feel more alone in the world and i think that art that is engaging with that in a very honest way you know it makes you feel less alone with those difficult feelings and experiences because you know that someone out there you know if if i'm sitting in a movie and i have a, a feeling a part of my life that that is connected to something that I feel like only I've experienced, mm-hmm. right? Like I am alone with that feeling, but I see a, a movie in which someone else is able to sort of induce that feeling or represent that feeling in a really honest way. It makes me feel seen a little bit, you know, it makes me feel less alone in the world. And I think that that, to me, that's always been like the real value of things like that. Right. That, I like, like that. 
yeah and also and but and 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 also i would add you know like it, it helps to understand the contours of those feelings so that when you know like right you know um you know when seeing something about like growing older i mean that's one you know there's a whole lot of movies that you know i used to you know not really think appreciate when i was younger and now that I, you know i can grow older with them and i think some is just like you know you just have to you're in different stages and conversely there are things that oh, yeah you know it, it but it's very useful to like um be able to sit with these like heavy uh thoughts you know we'll we'll, we'll see how much value there is in it but um it, it's 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 great to like at least have yeah have these like feelings of of doom you know somewhat acknowledged I I, I don't know well yeah I mean again just it always it feels like, weird talking about it out loud but I guess that's the project here <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's remarkable coming back to things like that too I was uh, we watched we rewatched the well, the first couple of Godfather movies recently mm-hmm. and I was shocked at how different it felt watching them being a parent yeah, like, so Vito's right Vito's right about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least you know he's at least uh, emotionally honest. He's yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. different. That's a different. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to say was the um, that the that the inverse of art is also true, right? That there's the you know I know you were talking you were, had been thinking before about sort of art and joy in a hopeless situation, mm-hmm. um, and it made me think of have you ever read. Uh, Eisenstein's he he wrote about Disney like in the forties. Yeah, I, I when I was like uh, cool, I, I read that stuff. What what did he say? Yes. Well, so this was you know he he, he met Walt Disney and went mm-hmm. to the yeah, he was a big Disney it's like famous he was a Disney stand right like essentially one of the inventors of I mean I don't even know what you just cinema I guess through mm-hmm. editing, the the grammar of yeah um but you know you would not necessarily maybe think that a sort of famous communist filmmaker would be buddies with Walt Walt Disney. This was sort of before Disney got into hyper-capitalist production, but mm-hmm. uh, many people questioned that connection, and in this in this book that he wrote most of before he died, he really talked a lot about how the world is full of drabness and drudgery and grays and darkness and misery for the working class, and that those moments where they are in the theater watching the colorful, bright, bouncing with music life in a Disney cartoon are moments of pure joy in an otherwise miserable existence, right? And that, you know, someday after the revolution comes, those will be the things that they look back on the most fondly, the way that they could connect each other over these experiences of of joy and connection and i wanted to bring that up because i feel like it's a pretty good segue you read my you, you know. I, okay great yeah we're dancing as fast as we can here yeah terminator 2 ready let's yes. go <laughs> terminator 2 incredible holds up amazingly well every time i watch it i'm like it can't possibly be as good as i remember yeah but it always is yeah it's a it's just a solid film it's just i mean really truly like James Cameron just, you know, is not unlocking maybe any deep, you know, he's not really plumbing the depths of humanity, really, but, like, just uh, a consummate craftsman in a way that, you know, like many other 
filmmakers, certainly action-y ones these days, just aren't at all. They just don't. I don't know. Lacking, lacking in fundamentals. How? When did you first see it? Terminator Two. Mm. I mean, I, who even? I've, I've seen it. God only knows how many times by now. You saw it early on, like nine, summer sure, of '91. Did you see? Did you, just, just a few, because because I've I've obviously had this conversation a few times with people. Um, do you see the first one first, or did you see this one first? That I don't know. I think okay. I may have seen Terminator Two first because mm-hmm. as a kid in the '90s, that was like, that was the zeitgeist movie was Terminator Two. Did you see in the theater? No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. little too young for that, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 actually been remarkable how much people are like, oh yeah, my dad rented it, and you know that's how I ended up seeing. I'm like, right. yeah, every, everyone, everyone's dad rented it. Um, my dad rented it. Um, uh, first radar movie I ever saw. Um, I'm sure people who are, listen to this podcast are sick of hearing me say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, how often do you go back to it? I think it used to be more frequent, certainly since having a kid, you mm-hmm. know, having large chunk, you know, like a two and a half hour chunk of time for Terminator 2 is not as, uh, not as frequent as it used to. But I would say, you know, I mean, at least every couple of years, I think, mm-hmm. like it's, uh, I think I, 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 you know, wouldn't say quote me on it, but I feel like often after I see some other sort of big action epic-y kind of zeitgeisty movie that mm. people are talking up and it invariably disappoints in some way. Yeah. Like I, I find myself going back to it because it just is, I mean, I, why, I don't know. What can you say? Like, do you, do you think great. that it's a movie? Um, it, it's, it's definitely a movie that like, um, it's a big summer blockbuster do you think that's a movie? Does it hit you um, um, emotionally? Uh, does it hit you as an emotional experience? Does it hit you as a spectacle experience? Do, do you differentiate the two? Well, I think, I mean, I genuinely think that this is James Cameron's strongest. Uh, that's that's his greatest strength as a filmmaker, I think, is the ability to balance that. And, mm-hmm. you know, in general, obviously, it dips more on the side of spectacle. But the amount of sprinkling like Linda Hamilton's performance is very very good it's very yeah. intense and she really brings a lot to it and like god things like the nightmare are incredibly intense like I oh. feel like like then the, yeah. You know, yeah yeah like yeah, the yeah, yeah where she has the dream and mm-hmm. Los Angeles explodes and mm-hmm. dream her is like cradling her son and mm-hmm. there we skin melts and <laughs> yeah no I mean it, it anchors um the the spectacle in in you know um i think some very real anxiety you know so that, so, so it's, the other yeah it amplifies yeah. yeah i like that it, it does amplify he, he, yeah he, he cameron at his best uh yeah does know how to like use um yeah one to amplify the other so like and and because it, that set, that that nightmare is a really great uh is a really great spectacle <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's also, but but it speaks to something very real. And I think that that's like the other, I don't know, the other primary thing that's different between sort of the blockbusters of today, you're like, I don't know, Marvel movies or Mm -hmm. or sort of Chris Nolan-y type things um, that I feel like Cameron, just those sort of like old school guys, those like 80s guys really knew that sort of big 
sort of tentpole action movies, I mean, first of all, they were the spectacle was never as big as they are these days. And mm-hmm. Terminator 2 kind of, I feel my recollection is that it kind of changed some of that. But but that like it 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 speaks to these very baseline uh, values, I guess. Like, you know, in America, we hate our bosses and we are skeptical of authority and, uh, you know, we have some intuitive baseline level of class consciousness. And James Cameron is really good at integrating that stuff. Like, you know, rich people are the bad guys and... I, I don't know. It just it, it speaks to to that kind of it like it, it articulates the classness of American society in a way that is immediately recognizable. Like the relationship between John Connor and his step parents, and the roughness with his mom, and like all the little ins and outs feel just so much more. I don't know, lived in, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I was trying to do um, the bullshitty thing that I, I generally try to do on this show, which is to, like, take the, the theme uh, or topic and try and tie it into Terminator 2, which is not, you know, uh, sometimes I try to get, like, really wildly different stuff, but I still, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> so my note is like, oh, Sarah Connor is in isolation, right? But that's not even, I mean, I think what 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 makes, like, the both the Connors are um are very isolated uh are are lonely they're very lonely people as the movie goes on and i think what's so moving about them being reunited and the way they're reunited is that they do become a family unit again but it is now it is it is now a chosen uh family so um it's uh it's really mo- and and th- and that like um you know the T800 is 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 also a member of this family um and right. that really and and that for like however brief it is that you know a Miles Dyson is a member of this family it it, it is actually kind of like a, a it's a great team you you really root for them i you know actually yeah. i got to stop well, bringing I, up Miles Dyson cuz i fucking hate when he dies <laughs> you know? oh it's awful yeah. but and i mean and and i mean i guess i always feel like it's the 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 family you know, family is what stops Sarah from killing Dyson in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Right. That concept, that idea of like, like we're different now. We're not like, we aren't isolated. We aren't alone in this mm-hmm. world anymore. Like there's a different way. Right. Um, did it, did yeah. it bring you a lot of joy to go back to it in, in these very dark times? Oh, totally. I mean, and I think that's the thing that like, again, like you say, there's just enough of that emotional baseline and just enough of that, sort of realistic understanding of the world mm-hmm. that that it you know i mean again that like corporations are evil and any technical you know technological advancements that they make are to the detriment of, of humanity right like yeah. like things like that very broad strokes kind of things um are very satisfying and i mean again just the competency of the filmmaking like uh, one thing that really struck me especially thinking about it in, in terms of what i was saying before you know the sort of screenwriteriness of it yeah that, that not not that much stuff happens in it like there aren't that many big moments actually like first of all the t1000 and the t800 don't square off until like an hour into the movie yeah yeah like you're like you get deep into that movie before like I mean I guess it's the one at the mall but like by the time they get to Sarah Connor and like yeah the, about to say the, the mall like, the mall okay, but the mall is like thirty minutes in is. right or maybe the mall is like twenty minutes in but yeah like 
Right. But then you have, like, all this time of them just, like, hanging out and getting to know each other. And, like, then, you know, so, so again, it's like, okay, so so mission one is we got to find John Connor. And that mm-hmm. takes, you know, 20 whole minutes of the two Terminators doing their thing. Right. And then, like, chapter two is we got to bust out Sarah Connor. And that takes, like, another, you know, half hour or whatever. And then you're, like, an hour into the movie before, oh, right, we got to stop Judgment Day. And then yeah. every other thing they do in the movie is, like, a constituent part of stopping Judgment Day. Yeah, no, I like I, that. It, it it is yeah. Everything kind of like gets to breathe and be the best version of right. itself. I mean, um, you know that that mall chase scene. You know, uh, you, you you kind of don't. It's not till you're like watching it that you kind of have to remember. Oh yeah, that's the same. That's basically the same sequence as the like uh, chase in the um, in the tunnels. You know. Uh, Oh, like the LA River. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you tend to like. I don't know. For me, I, I tend to like uh, when I'm not. You know, before I was thinking about this movie all the time. I tend to think of them as like two separate. Yeah, but no, I I I, I hadn't thought about that before. Um, uh, right. I like that a lot. Like there's only there's really only like th- maybe three or four really like big action sequences. It's yeah. just that they're like ten minutes long. <laughs> yeah, really. When they get into Skynet, that that dovetails almost a. Uh, right away into like uh, there's a very clear I mean, yeah. through line into like the big finale in the um right in the factory at the end so it's basically the end of the movie yeah like and it's i mean it's really long like they show up at i mean i'm trying to like yeah i mean there's a helicopter chase in the middle of all right. that sort of bridging <laughs> all that there. there's i i can't believe I, I actually have never talked about this in, on the show before but like because I, we always get to this part and we're always gushing, but I don't think I've ever talked about how just how much I love that helicopter going down into, you know, chasing the truck oh, like so that. Good. Yeah. Um, I, so I always good. forget that that's like, that's the part. Cause by that point in the movie, it's pretty much, it's, it's, we're on our way to, you know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you're just like, Oh yeah, that is the coolest part of the fucking film. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear. I have a rabid child in, uh, uh, trying to open the door right now. So oh, you hear something weird. Oh. Um, right, like I'm, I'm trying to think, like because they, like, they, so again, they, like, they go get Sarah, and then, like, I think, like, as soon as the dust settles from the sequence where they rescue Sarah Connor, her first question is like, okay, who is the most responsible? Like, who creates Skynet? Yeah, Miles Dyson, great. Let's go kill that guy. She's a woman on a mission, right? And then like. And then they go get the guns, and it's all about, you know, getting all the things they need to go get Dyson. And then as soon as they get to Dyson's house, he's like, they decide not to kill him. And then, like, they're like, well, okay, we got to go bust up this office. Yeah. And then, like, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the whole, like, last half hour of the movie is them busting up the office and then fighting with the T-1000 in the factory. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's an efficient killing machine, that movie. Right. That screenplay. It is. Um, Very much. Uh, d- um. I mean, let's jump into it. Are, are, are any of these movies um, better than Terminator 2? There's no canon, just whatever you think. I mean, no. I no. don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say maybe like... I don't know. It's tough to judge. How do you usually? How do you usually do it? Are you trying to sort of judge it across so a particular here's, axis? Here's, here's like... if people, when people... What what I put in my head is like okay so let's say that you're in a neutral state of mind, uh, um, let's say that you're um, in a hotel room on a business trip like um, and you have a layover and um, 
I, any of these movies are on TV. Right. Like they're uh, all at the same time. They're all so starting at the same time. You can only watch one of them, and and you know you're neither in a good mood or a bad mood. Um, you know, uh, like which one would be the one that you would watch? You know. I mean, it's just I think it's got to be. Yeah. Gotta be it, too. Yeah. It's just got. I mean, I think of these particular movies. No, well, we'll have to do another one with it where it's really, you know, like yeah, I didn't give you a lot mono to like... mono with like one of my absolute favorite movies, but um... <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's talk offline about uh, what what that would look like, but that would be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I for just a completely personal thing, I would actually uh, I have a deep love for Castaway. I would have to watch it again wow. and uh, decide. And it maybe feels that's because so you didn't watch. Dirty. Maybe you forgot to watch it for this one. Maybe I know. Maybe why. maybe I'll watch it again. Think it's horrible, but I and I feel so dirty. Like uh, you know, being like, oh yeah, the like just cheesy. I didn't watch that movie for years because I was just like, I don't want to watch you know this like bougie boomer you know uh, uh, movie with the, you know the, this weird again like weird fantasy. It's like oh, wouldn't it be horrible if I was stuck on a deserted island like uh, you know? Um, and and again, I just the 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 degree to which it delves into like um, loneliness is something that I still still resonates for me. Um, and maybe that's just my personal experience with the film, but. Yeah, Plus, so many brands. It's got a lot of. There's a lot of brands oh, in that movie. So, yeah. Well, recall. but that's the twisted thing is that then, he, he, again, maybe I'm bringing this to it. But they, they, yeah, there's there is a lot of branding in the film. It is a, definitely a brand film. But then you kind of like it just feels so empty and hollow, you know. Um, so yeah. yeah, maybe again, maybe I'm being more generous to it than um, I'd like to be. Um, uh, any other final thoughts? Well, any know, other? We, we bring every piece of us to to art. That's just how life is. I like that. Um, uh, Andrew, thank you for coming. Uh, hasta la vista. <laughs> <laughs>